Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How's everybody doing today? Hey, you did good that time. Well, I've been doing all right. How are you doing? I enjoyed coming over and hanging out with you all the other day. You're very welcome. That was a fun time. It really was. We got to go, I got to go over to the Baptist Manor and uh, hang out with some of our folks here. It was really fun, and I'm really excited to tell y'all. Um, in September, the, um, the Baptist Manor is going to do an old-fashioned four-day revival, and our church is going to be a part of that. They've asked us to come over, bring our worship team. Uh, they're going to put up a big old huge tent. This is the third year or fourth year they're going to be doing it. And they've asked me to speak at it. Can you believe that? And they, anyway, they said, uh, they said that they, you know, want some well-known speakers in the area. And I was like, you couldn't find them. And so you asked me, um, but uh, yeah, so that's going to be really fun. I'm really excited about doing that. And we're also going to be as a church, um, we're going to be helping them get um, get a tent. The tent rental is about five grand, if you can believe that. And I told him, I said, we're going we're gonna to help cover that because it's a huge tent. It's going to be really great. Now, don't come up here and say, hey, I got a four-person tent we can put up. No, I'm not talking about that kind of tent. All right, I'm talking about one of them big mamma jammas, but it's one of the things over there. Um, it's amazing because, and I said this, I said this uh, to, to the director, um, oftentimes our churches We know the scripture in Mark where it says true religion is is taking care of widows and orphans. And what we do is, is oftentimes we take care of the orphans, but we don't take care of the widows. Are you with me? And I think we need to be better about about that. I really do. So so thankful you guys are are here today. What I just talked about, we're actually talking about today. So before we start, I want to tell you about a few things that have been going on behind the scenes. And here's the first thing. Uh, There was Night to Shine last night. Do Do we have any pictures of Night to Shine? Do we have pictures? Look at that. Look at that good looking fella. Oh no, that's just Robert. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, look at that, isn't that great? Good picture right there. Isn't, isn't that fantastic? There's Miss Shelley right there. So, isn't that awesome? That's good stuff, it's good stuff. Stop right there. One of the things I want you to notice in this picture and in all the pictures if you look at them, um, is, is look, at, look, look at the faces of the people here in the front too that go to our church. Look at their faces and look at the faces of the other people that we've already looked at before. What do you see on their faces? Smiles. Listen, Robert's a teenager. I think he smiles like twice a year, all right? But here's the thing, here's the thing. He's not here, so I'm talking about him. Uh, he may be working in children, I don't know. But anyway, big, huge smiles. Do you know why? that they're smiling because they know they know when they're doing what they're doing right then they know that it's exactly what God wants them to do and they're in the perfect place to serve God because they know that it's what God wants them to be doing and so those smiles are not fake they are genuine from deep down smiles from the heart they are. And it's amazing. 
Um, do we have any pictures of the, of the activities last night? We have those? I told you to get pictures, Lynn. You didn't do it? I'm just kidding. I didn't tell them to get pictures. Everybody here knows I didn't say anything about pictures. Um, I do want to recognize um, uh, Robert and Kelly Kelly, Shannon Bowles and Shelly Parrott, Krista and Colton uh, White and Lynn and Suzanne. You guys give them a hand for serving. Isn't that great? In addition to that, we did have an activity last night, and that activity was, um, was a daddy-daughter dance. We had 60 people that attended that. Isn't that amazing? We did, 60 people, and uh, we had people that came and that cooked and served. And so um, I, I don't, I'm not going to make you guys stand up because I know a few people that would want to wring my neck if I did. But give those people that served a hand last night. It's good stuff, isn't it? And you may be thinking, well, gosh, he never does this. What's he doing it for? Well, here's why I'm doing it for. Uh, oh, my, we got one more thing. We got, Lynn, do we have a picture of the I-58 shoes? Oh, look at that. Look at that. A hundred. Yep. Look at there. I-58 shoes. We do it twice a year. 109 pair of shoes to go to 104 children five extra that you guys brought that was awesome because you just want to give in in louisiana it's a little land yap all right a little something extra and so we brought a little land yap to i-58 um, and they are loving life uh, there's children uh, i think they're having their activity on oh, tuesday i think they're doing the party and and they are going to be giving those for around the valentine's day area and we're going to do this again in july we're going to raise and we're going to have kids going back to school with brand new shoes Look at those shoes though. You don't see any, you don't see any from the dollar store, do you? Nope. See those Nike and all those things, those Under Armour? Isn't that great? Because we want to give what we want to wear. Are you with me? And we want to give God's best. And so that's what we're that's what we're doing. So you may be thinking, oh, why is he talking about all these things at first? Well, I'm gonna tell you why I'm talking about them. Because we're gonna look at a parable today. And the parable is found in Luke chapter 13, verses six through nine. The parable is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And here's what it says. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look behind me. It says this, it says, Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit in it. But he always was disappointed. And finally he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. <clears throat> Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered this. He said, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Let's look at the scripture and see exactly what it's saying. Here's what it's saying, and I want you to know something. In order, what did I tell you that a parable was? The word parable literally means something that is thrown alongside to emphasize the teaching. So the parable is thrown alongside. Well, the question would be, what's it thrown alongside? Well, I'm glad you asked because you can't understand the parable Verses 6 through 9, unless you read verses 1 through 5. So look at your Bibles. Verses 1 through 5. What is Jesus talking about? Here it is. 
About this time he was informed that Pilate had murdered some people in Galilee as they were offering sacrifices to the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. And then Jesus told the story about a man who planted a fig garden and he goes into the story. What is he talking about here? Well, what's thrown alongside is a story that focuses on repentance and it focuses on the bearing of fruit. Now, there's some things I want you to know about a fig tree. I want you to know this. When you plant a fig tree, now I'm a knowledgeable gardener. I promise you, when I go to Lowe's, I just grab the first lady that appears and says, what flowers would be good in the shade? And they're like, go get a fern and move on, okay? And I said, all right, thanks. I don't know anything about gardens. But Google is my friend, and he's your friend too. And let me tell you about fig trees. Fig trees usually take about three years to produce fruit. Isn't that interesting? About three years. And so it's like a waiting game to see if they're going to produce the fruit. Now, the amazing thing about this is that the parable of the fig tree is one to three years waiting for this fig tree to produce fruit. And we know that Jesus' ministry was three years. So the question would be, who are we talking about here? The owner of the garden in the parable is God. The gardener is Jesus. And the fig tree is the Israelite people and you and me. He gives the example and he says, listen, the people that I've just heard that died, were they worse people than you? Well, no. Well, what about the people who, who the Tower of Siloam fell on and 18 people died? It was an event that happened. What about them? Are they worse people? Are they horrible people? No, no. So let me tell you something. You, you need to repent and you need to turn away. And there should be something deep. I want to tell you something. And we'll get to this more in depth in a minute. If you want to know if people are followers of Jesus, I'm not talking about if someone came down at a certain date in their life and told the preacher they wanted to be saved and then got up and got wet in the baptistry and then went about their life. I'm talking about... If someone is truly saved, the way you can see that is through the fruit that they bear. Can we bring the picture up uh, of, the, uh, of the night to shine, please? Can we do that again? Can we go through those? You know what that is? You know what that smiles for? Fruit. Can we go to the next one? See those smiles? You know what those smiles are? That's unconditional love. And unconditional love is one of those fruits. You know what that smile is? You know what it is? 
It's Shelly learning to dance. And it's fruit. You know what? You know, you know what that smile is right there? It's unconditional love. And it's fruit. Can we go to the I-58 picture? You see, you see that, um, you see that, you see on the side right under the sea, you see that white box on the bottom, the Saucony right there, those, there's like five down, you see that? You know what that is? That's one of you guys' fruit. That's what it is. You see the, you see the smile, you know, you see the cheesy grin on Miranda's face? It's fruit. It's fruit. That's what it is. So what can we learn about this parable? Jesus says the time now is for repentance. The time now is to follow. Well, there's something that may surprise you that you learn about this parable, and it's this. God's patience has limits. I want you to hear that. God's patience has limits. It does. Many people wrongly believe that God has unlimited patience with us. And that he will keep asking us over and over and over. And that's simply not the case. Now, God wishes that no one perish. But eventually, I want you to know something. After a while of trying to draw you in, after a while of, of trying to draw you in, eventually, what the scriptures say is he's going to turn you over to your sinful desires and he will move on. And we see that in the scriptures. Romans 1.28 says this when it's talking about people that knew God, but they would not glorify him as God. They knew who he was and they knew he was the truth. And it says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Or in other words, he allows what's going on today in every TV show and in every newscast and on and on and on and on and on. Playing out before us. Matthew 10, 14 says this. It's Jesus, and he's giving this, he's giving this, he's saying, Listen, I want you to understand the disciples are going to go out, and here's what I want you to do. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or to listen to your message, I want you to shake its dust from your feet and leave. Shaking the dust from your feet is symbolic in those days, and even today is boom, 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 I am done. You've had your opportunity. I'm shaking the dust off and I'm moving on. And then he moved on. And that's what he told him. It's interesting. There's a story in Luke chapter four, and I don't want to, I don't want to read all of it, but there's a story where Jesus goes to his hometown and he, he stands up and he's been teaching, but he stands up and he reads this prophecy. And he talks about this prophecy that's found in the Old Testament. And he reads it, and then he says, all he does is read, read, read the scroll, and then he says, today the prophecy has been fulfilled before you. Meaning, I am the Messiah. I am the one that the prophecy spoke of. And some people got excited, and a lot of people didn't. And you know what they did? They tried to hurt him, and he left. And he said this, he said, a prophet is never welcomed in his hometown. You know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't stay there and say, hey, let me try to convince you. Hey, listen, I know I've told you 20 times, but let me, let me just, you, you're not hearing me clearly. I want to tell you guys something. God's patience has 
limits. I want to tell you something else, too, that's a lie. We've been marketed so much in our society today that sometimes I feel like church is one big marketing ploy. I cannot stand church that is run like a business. Church is going to be, supposed to be a community. But it's almost like people go to church Sunday after Sunday. And they're, it's almost like they're saying, God, convince me. Convince me. Convince me. Or they come and they're like, hey, we're going to check your church out. And if it meets all of our qualifications of the music we like, and if the coffee's not too hot, and if, the, if you have pastries that are good, which they were good, they were so good. Miss Holt, did you, make, did you make those? They were so good. Whoever made the pastries, on point. I didn't eat one. I didn't. I didn't eat one. Why is there my, No, I did not eat one. But if there's one left over afterwards, much appreciated. But I've got this checklist and it makes sure the children's ministry has all these things and the student ministry has all these things. And I want to make sure that all these things and and I want to make and it's all this big list. And as long as all those things are checked off, we may decide to come and fellowship with, with you guys and we may decide to connect with that. But we don't want to do it. We just want to sit in the back. We don't want you to do anything. Um, I've heard this before. I've heard people say, you know, I just really wasn't getting fed. And so I left. I think I know what they mean. They mean that they wanted more teaching. I get that. But can I be honest with you about something? Do you know the only thing in our life that has to be fed are babies? They are. They're babies. Babies. Those are the only people that have to be fed. All the rest of us who are mature, we go and we eat. And we get. I want to tell you something. If, if, you're, if all you're getting, if only feeding you're getting is here on Sunday mornings, man, you got a major malnourishment issue. Because we, we are self-feeders. We feed ourselves. And we go come in here to worship God and to listen to a word and to deepen our faith and to commit and, and, and edify one another and build each other up. It's a safe place. Instead of always wanting to be marketed to, our attitude should be one of humble and repentance and grateful acceptance of the gift that God sent us through Christ. That's what it should be. And I want to tell you something else too. The worst place you can find yourself is God calling you and you refuse and he's moved on. How do you know that's happened? Well, those things that you used to do that kind of bothered you, they don't bother you anymore. Those things, places that you used to go that used to bother you, ah, they don't bother you anymore. I was like, hey, that's what you want to do. Go ahead. I'm not going to beg you. And I want to say something too. People always ask me, hey, why don't you ever talk about giving? Why don't you ever talk about, you know, because we have people come up and say, hey, listen, I have no idea how to join this church. And I'm like, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. And people are like, why don't you make more emphasis on that? Well, here's the thing, man. I don't want you guys to give because you feel guilty. And I don't want you guys to join because you feel guilty. And I don't want you to, I don't. I want God to lead you. I want God to lead you in your giving. I want a cheerful giver. And I want a cheer, cheerful congregant for the church. That's what I want. And that's why I don't focus on it all the time. And that's why we don't take up an offering. We have boxes in the back. 70% of our people give online. 
I'm, I'm not going to do that. I heard too many people. I, was, I told you guys this. We've never passed an offering plate here in eight years. And I told you, I said, people, people I, the guy who, who was helping us with the church plant said, you're an idiot, man. You're going to fail. I said, I don't think so. I think people are smart enough to understand that, you know, we don't go without giving. But I want people to be cheerful givers. Jesus said this, today is the day of repentance and today God will accept you. And if you haven't done that, you need to do that today. The time is now. And once you do that, the response to that will not be that you're a barren fig tree. It'll be fruit. And here's how I know that because inner repentance leads to external change. I want you to hear that. Inner repentance leads to external change. What is repentance? Tony Evans defines it like this. The inner resolve to turn from sin and toward God. You're turning from sin and you're turning toward God. I want to tell you that if we're saved, we should be able to see fruit. You guys know the scriptures in Galatians 5, and 23. They're the fruit of the Spirit. And when we connect to the source, our lives begin to bear fruit. And I've told you this before, and I don't know if you believe this, but I want to tell you again. Do you realize that you are fruit of someone being faithful to walk out the gospel and what Christ has followed them to do? I am the, I talked to him the other day and it was great talking to him. I talked to him for 30 minutes. I don't talk to him enough, but I am the fruit of a family that loved me, even though I was majorly flawed and still am, that loved me and that shared Christ with me and were patient with me for over two and a half years before I accepted. And I am fruit for them. I am. I like to think I'm a big orange. The last time I said a pumpkin and my wife immediately said, that's a gourd. And I said, be quiet, woman, know your place. I'm just kidding. I love it. If somebody's watching online, they're like, I am turning this off. That is one of those churches. No. But we're fruit, man. We are. We're fruit for other people. We're fruit forever. If, if you're saved, likely someone's t- taken the time to tell you about Christ. And someone was connected to the source. And now because they were connected, they showed you Christ, introduced you to Christ. And because of what Christ did on the cross, you too are connected to the source. If you want to know someone is walking with Christ, you can look at their fruit. I'm going to tell you something else. If you want to know if your pastor is walking with Christ and legitimate, look at their fruit. Look at their fruit. Here's the truth. No root, no fruit. No root, no fruit. If you don't have spiritual roots, you won't bear spiritual fruit. And here's the thing, you can't fake it either. So this week I decided to do this deep dive and I took a deep dive into all this horticultural stuff. Um, I had to look up the word horticultural. I was like, I think that's plants, but let me look. Whenever the tornado happened in our home, we had two trees in the front and they snapped right off. 
So I love those trees and I was like, they're so beautiful, I want to plant new trees at our new home. And we did. We planted two new trees in the front of our house and I loved our trees. Two trees in the front of our house, our brand new house, and they grew and they shot up and they grew. And then a storm came through about four years later and one of them broke completely off and another one, the limb cracked off. Those are what we call Bradford pears. So I was like, I wonder why Bradford pears do that. And lo and behold, guess why Bradford pears do that? The reason Bradford pears do that is that the root structure for Bradford pears often are thin and they go out. And the structure for Bradford pears, the roots only go down a couple of feet. And so they're easy to uproot and they break off easy. As a matter of fact, Bradford pears, because of the lack of those roots, they're very fragile and they break off very easy. And then I started thinking about the time I went down to help with the hurricane uh, back uh, a while back whenever the hurricane was in, uh, was in Panama City. And we went down there and I remember there was all of these trees that were broken except the pine trees. And I was like, why wasn't the pine trees broken? Well, guess what? The root of the pine tree goes very, very, very. Do you guys know that some pine trees, depending upon the weather, some pine trees can go down 20, 25, 30. They have actually had 50 feet root systems for pine trees. I say all that in the storm this afternoon, there's be a pine tree that will blow over on my house. However, <laughs> what the Google said and the horticulturalist, whatever that means said, is that they, that's why they can last. That's why most pine trees, when they, when they fall, they fall because they're rotten, they're dead, they've lived their life. But, but the truth of the matter is, is, is that there's a depth of the root. And so just like we talked about a few weeks ago about building your house on the foundation, if there's no root system in your life, there's not gonna be any fruit in your life. There's not. What is a root system? I'll tell you what a root system is. The root system is, is having a knowledge and saving grace of Christ, understanding the scriptures, understanding the gospel, and following in that which he has taught and proclaimed. It's taking your life, and I think this is the final one. It, it's taking your life, and it's laying it down. This may be hard for you to hear, but you'll only produce fruit to the level of your surrender. I want you to hear that. You will only produce fruit to the level of your surrender. I've met with people and they've said, yeah, man, everything's going well. My, my finances are going really well. I'm like, well, why is that? Well, you know, we just really feel like we got on God's plan for our finances. Okay, well, cool. And we felt like this is God's plan. And so we prayed about it and we gave our jobs and everything over to God. And we, we, we did that. And I'm like, well, what, what's the issue then? Well, you know, other areas of our marriage just isn't going well. Okay, well, why not? Well, he's selfish. And she's, you know, she spends, you know, too much time with, away from the house and with friends. And he's, in, and on and on and on. I said, so let me get this straight. So you've surrendered your money, but you hadn't surrendered your marriage. Is that what it is? Because, see, here's the thing. You can only produce fruit in those areas to the level of what surrender that you have. And so if you aren't producing fruit 
in an area of your life, I think you will investigate and find out it's because you haven't surrendered that over to God. And in the parable, he's saying this, he's saying, listen, I want you to understand something. You planted that a couple years ago, do away with it, is the owner of the garden. And he said, no, the gardener said, no, 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 look, give it one more year. Give me just a little bit longer. Give me one more year. Okay, one more year. But if it doesn't produce fruit after that, we're cutting it down and moving on. So are you bearing fruit? And what's the level of your surrender? Have you turned over your marriage? Have you turned over your anger? Your emotional life? Have you turned over your finances? Have you surrendered that? Have you turned over your children? Have you turned over your relationship? Have you turned over your stuff? You'll only produce fruit to the level of your surrender. My prayer is today that you would produce fruit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this parable that teaches us the importance of being connected to the source and being fruitful in our lives, not because of our good works, but because of what Christ has done in us. Thank you, Lord, that when we are in line and in alignment with your word and we are serving others and loving you and loving others, that we don't have to fake the joy that wells up inside of us. God, we want to be a church that bears fruit. And we know that to do that, we have to connect with the source. And so today, God, I pray that we all would turn from our sin and turn to God and look for Him as the source of our strength and as the source of our life. And let us produce fruit, genuine fruit, for the glory of God. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God love others, and live real.